when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, February 25th, 2019, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio episode 222. That definitely has a significance in, like, numerology or something, but I don't know it. Uh, coming to you from a jerry-rigged recording setup across three, three locations, yes. I am your host, Natalie Watson, and joining me today to my left is... Danielle Rianda. I'm always to your left. You are always to my left. It's Pretty so much. great. I love it. It's a good time. Um, Patrick Klepek, virtually in front of me. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, also virtually coming to me from the computer. The wind might knock out my internet connection at any moment. Uh, so if I if suddenly you just hear dead air, or if you hear like breaking <laughs> glass and then like a scream and dead air, uh, don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, I'll probably be back later today. It's just the thing. Like, the yeah. wind today is bad, y'all. I almost was blown away. Luckily, right now we are in basically a bunker. Yes. So uh, uh, Waypoint NY is protected, but I, I worry for our friends over at Waypoint Chicago and Waypoint. Well, you have uh, Waypoint Chicago's uh, wind. Like we had this this windstorm come through. Oh yeah, uh, yesterday. Thanks for I, sending uh, it. You're welcome. Um, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, at least it's not uh, garbage day because the previous windstorm that uh, so we had one two years ago. I was talking Rob about this um, before we recorded. Where uh, it's like like legit kind of dangerous. Like you, you know, yeah. tear down trees and stuff like that. Yeah. And. Um, I, it's, I don't it's, I hadn't experienced a windstorm in a long time, certainly not owning a house where it's like you're worried about things differently than when landlords and other people are supposed to take care of things like that. So anyway, I'm up getting coffee in my kitchen and I look onto my patio and mm-hmm. uh, I, I notice uh, my grill just moving from left to right <laughs> on the patio because the wind was just moving the grill That's alarming. all over the place. I had never... Uh, don't do put that. the the brakes on the wheels because it's heavy as shit. Like, yeah. I tried, you know, you got to put some effort to move that mm-hmm. thing. I'm like, I don't Those need to put heavy. the brakes on. <laughs> like, no, That's... apparently uh, you do. And then when I walked my dog yesterday, or attempted to do before, my dog said, what are we doing out here? Like, I can just, <laughs> you know I can just shit in the corner, right? And I'm like, you know right, I can just shit small. on the rug. Right, buddy? <laughs> No, she's got a spot. She has a very, we have a thing that's put out. She knows that's where she goes if the weather's bad outside and okay. we got to try and contain it. So oh, what a we, we have that dog. down. Um, but uh, I got a half a block down and noticed like a bunch of the siding of one of the houses had just been ripped off. Oh, good. By the wind <laughs> and was just dangling that's... in a way that it's like, those look like, those are sheets of metal. Um, 
I don't want to have my face cut off, so I'm going to turn around. Yeah. My dog's going to shit in the house is what's <laughs> yep. going to happen here. Yep. You know what's bad about New York is every day is trash day, so. Every, everything is trash. <laughs> everything yes. is trash. My, my Lyft driver on the way to work this morning was like, you know, you got to see a silver lining in this wind. <clears throat> All the trash is, you know, we have so much trash around here, it's just going to get blown. And I was like, blown to where? It's it's just going to stay here. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, it'll get blown away. And I was like, okay, I, I'll, I'll ride with you for this one. But <laughs> Blown to where? That's the thing. Is it going to get blown to sea? I hope like, not. I hope our the Hudson River is okay. You know? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm it's not almost sure. certainly not. <laughs> it's probably a not. A perfect parable, though, of our relationship to our natural world, right? <laughs> like, mm, this wind just whipping trash somewhere sure is good for the world. Yeah, must be. <laughs> not my problem. Not my problem anymore. It's not on my doorstep. Apparently, Sarah David, whose birthday it is today, happy birthday, Sarah David of Broadly, uh, was on the phone. She was FaceTiming her grandmother uh, for her birthday, and uh, the wind whipped a, an old pizza box into her, slapping into her, and her grandmother was, like, freaking out, like, go inside! <laughs> and she was like, 30s treating me great. This is this is going well. Hell yeah. So uh, I was really hoping, like, just an old pizza was going to be into that story. <laughs> like, just, just an old pizza. Just, like, whips yeah, her into the pizza face. Box just, is a yeah, just fucking, yeah. <laughs> Slapped by pizza in That the face. honestly would have been, I think, a little bit more dignifying, less, <laughs> I think more, because then it's like, you know. Who, who, you got a classic New York moment. Yeah, yeah. Really? I'm pretty sure that was Only one of New the York, deaths baby. in Russian Doll was, <laughs> you know, death by slice of pizza. But. Sounds right. We yeah. should talk about games. And I say not video games, because today we're starting off with a board game. Oh my God. From our own resident board game connoisseur. Rob Zachney, tell me about Empire of the Sun, please. Uh, so, yeah, Empire of the Sun is a World War II Pacific theater war game that I am getting increasingly into. Uh, and it is one of the most like clever war game designs I've maybe ever seen. Um, Did you use your, it, um, your, your counter cutter thingy for it? So. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? The We're talking about food or a board game or both. A wow. pizza cutter, Natalie's, remember? Natalie's outing me here. Oh, no. What happened? What just happened? I, I understand like why I you something. do it now. When you were explaining it on the on the last time we talked about this, I didn't understand what was being done, and I didn't understand yeah. the point, but then I looked at a forum thread about it, and I understand now, so... I, I would like to apologize. Full of extremely normal people. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> just, so, yeah, just just nothing but normal people uh, clipping their war game counters okay. uh, with like a giant hunk of uh, sharpened For steel. Yeah, you know, uh, it actually you gotta... does make a huge difference. <laughs> so, um, okay, so the way to put this, so I am playing with a friend of mine uh, from Three Moves Ahead, uh, Bruce Garrick. You know, the classic wargaming problem is that not a ton of people play them. It's not like even your board game friends, you can't be like, hey, why don't you come over? We'll throw a war game down. We'll play it. <laughs> Nobody's coming. Like, believe me, I know people will stop coming to your house if you're like, hey, uh, we're just going to have a little ASL party. Uh, it'll be it'll be a blast. Uh, first, you should probably prep by reading these six rule books. What, what's ASL? Um, Advanced Squad Leader. Good. Yeah. Okay. 
Come on. Um, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. You, did, you, did, you didn't do the reading before this podcast? I'm sorry. I clearly didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah, Empire of the Sun, though, is interesting because I think there's a tendency for, if you look at computer war games, they tend to get more and more complex or mm. just fussy, like throw more math at a problem yeah. to try to model things. Okay. Empire of the Sun... Uh, attacks its subject from a really conceptual level. So it's trying to cover the entire arc of the war in the Pacific in World War II. And what it's trying to get across uh, fundamentally is the, the island-hopping nature of those campaigns. Huh. Uh, why, why didn't, for instance, you know, once, once the U.S. Navy sort of had control of, had, had superiority in the Pacific, why didn't you just sort of see the death ball strategy in World <laughs> War II or, or stuff like that? Mm -hmm. um, and it comes to some really clever representations of World War II, like naval combat, in ways that are exciting and unpredictable, but don't feel cheap. It's really something that, like, as I play it, I'm continually marveling at yeah. how well it is modeling something that is really tough to make fun if you're not if you're if you're thinking inside the box. If you're thinking inside the box, this like the Pacific Theater is all about loading troops on ships and pushing them across the ocean, and it's the most boring shit. Uh, this streamlines a lot of that and abstracts it away and uh, comes to some really, uh, I think, brilliant representations of uh, sort of the, the risk and reward uh, dynamics that governed a lot of uh, decisions in the Pacific. Hmm. Um, it, so as you're as it was, could, could you paint me sort of like a picture of of like uh, a situation or like an example? Are you are you does it feel like you're simulating what actually happened or is there yes. a little bit more room for nuance or it feels like sort of true to? Yeah, I th no, I think that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think it feels like you're simulating what happened, but different things can still happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like it's on rails where it's trying to like force you to reproduce historical outcomes. Uh -huh. Different things can happen in your version of, of history here, mm -hmm. but all of it will feel like stuff that plausibly could have happened mm -hmm. if, if things, if things go differently. Uh, yeah. So there's two, there are two major things that I think are key to understanding what sets this game apart. Um, Every time you launch an operation uh, on your turn, uh, what you do is you play a card with a number on it. Uh, so let's like it goes up to four. Let's say you play an operations four card. Oh shit! That basically gives you four units you can activate that turn. Oh, gotcha. Then you look at your map, and there are headquarters units that also have a number on them, uh, and that's sort of their base level command. So it's four plus whatever that headquarters unit is, mm -hmm. but that can only activate units in their in their command range, yeah. basically. So you'll end up in these weird situations where, like, if you could just do whatever you wanted, you would have the right mix of troops for the job at hand. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they're scattered across two different commands, and so you like no matter who you activate you end up having to leave some of what you want off on the side. Gotcha. Um, 
but the other big thing is you play that four card. That's a really powerful activation card. The enemy, after you take your turn, after you make your move and begin, like begin the operation. So say you like at this point, battleships and carriers mm-hmm. are rolling out. Troops are on transports. They're heading toward an island to attack it. At this point, say the Japanese player, they get a chance to roll an intelligence check and they have to roll like um, basically like under that. It's it's like their base intelligence number plus four. Uh-huh. So if you play a four card, it's a really high number. It's very easy for them to basically detect what you are up to. And then they get to gotcha. also, before your action resolves, activate like seven units of their own. Or they could miss that intelligence check and like the scouts totally are asleep at the switch. They have no idea this operation happens. They don't get to react at all, which is great if you're attacking. But so you don't know when you make that move, like it could be a completely like stealthy operation. Mm-hmm. You encounter no resistance. It's awesome. It could be the entire enemy fleet activates yeah. while you're making your move and they are waiting for you when you get and there. And there's no way for you to like pivot. You're just locked no. in. Oh, wow. You're in it. And so, yeah, so it always feels, and this is the thing, like if you read about like naval combat, the ocean's huge. No, like nobody can see anything. Yeah. Like the enemy could be just over the horizon. You're never really sure. That's tough to do in a war game because like, especially a tabletop war game, because like you can look at the map. Yeah. You see where <laughs> everyone is. But in this game, it always feels like every move you make, it could be... You know, you could have the entire enemy armada waiting for you, or you could have crickets. Who knows? Does it feel like the game, what's like the typical play length of the game? Does it feel like it could end, like in these sort of circumstances, could end at any moment where you could just be devastated and and the game's essentially lost? Or is there... Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh so definitely like in our in the in the games I've played so far, there are a lot of cases where it feels like maybe it is not worth continuing past a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which you know and one of the mood. reasons Yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons for that is um when the combat begins the combat is designed to be very swingy, is the way I would put it. So again, it's not like two carrier groups clash at each other and you know, they're both combat power power 50 or something. Mm -hmm. And each does like 50 points of damage to the other. That's not how it works. You roll a dice to see how effective their strikes are basically. And there is a chance you roll a dice that says you strike at double your combat power. That's a very narrow chance. There's also a chance you roll something that says you're only going to get to apply a quarter of your total combat power, which is slightly more likely. Um, And the other part of this is like, if you cannot do like fatal damage to a ship, nothing happens. So if a ship has 18 hit points and you have 17 combat power left over, that's wasted. You didn't, you didn't hit. Oh, so there's no like, effect on the actual ship for it's like an all or nothing sort of thing yeah got you and so you can have a combat where like you know you the same fleets could meet and you could have an outcome where both of them basically like scratch each other but barely any real damage is done and combat Mm. breaks off and nothing has changed all that much despite Mm. being a huge engagement yeah or one side could get that double combat bower thing 
and basically in one battle destroy the entire enemy fleet um at which point the entire game has been like thrown off balance um that's especially that bad if that happens to the japanese player uh because they like this is this is sort of where the 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 asymmetry in the game is the japanese player is just holding on they can't really replace a lot of their losses the americans ultimately can they're gonna get more carriers they're gonna get more fighters japanese side not so much um so it's really like it's a game that generates like constant suspense and dramatic moments Mm -hmm. um and i think gets at a lot of what makes like carrier warfare and like the Pacific and world war II interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, they're really clever solutions Mm -hmm. to like problems of design with the space. That sounds super fascinating. I'm very enlightened at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really, let's go back and listen to our episode of waypoints where we talked about it. I was thinking about that the whole time as you're saying this, I was like, fuck, like, Wow. Especially I, we know the, those the, the, people that were like kind of tired and like might have missed something. Like we, yeah, we they just had the did 17 that points of damage. Exactly. Yeah, we we just did that podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, our our last uh uh episode of Waypoints, we talked about an excellent article from uh ProPublica, ProPublica. um on uh the USS Fitzgerald. Um, mm-hmm. it is a riveting, devastating read. I highly recommend it. Uh, and give our podcast a listen if you haven't already. Um, all right. We have, I think we can hit another game before our break. Yeah. 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 I'm waiting for the- You have the for- power. Now you can do- <laughs> This don't, is your Don't show. Kato. You, you go as far <laughs> as you want to go. This all right. Fuck it. No breaks. Fuck hey, Kato is just, no he's- <laughs> He can te- he can make suggestions. You go. You push this ship as okay. far as you want to push it. Okay, you're I'm, the captain here I'm, of this ship. I am the captain, and we are going to steer this train wreck into <laughs> Patrick. These mixed metaphors are just mm, <laughs> delicious. Mm, I love vehicles, spirit tracks. Um, <laughs> Patrick, will you please give us your final thoughts on Anthem? Yep, they deleted the game. I'm uh, oh, never going to play it again. Oh, good. I'm so happy <laughs> no. for you. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so when I, uh, I, I wrote a piece uh, that went up on Friday, uh, sort of a compendium to uh, Austin, uh, Kato, and I talking through our time with Anthem so far, that went from, I'm just going to write like 700 words about Anthem, just we got something up so people, uh, you know, could, could read something. Of course, the most waypoint thing in the world. It's you know goes twice that, almost two thousand words. And it's like ah, no, and an I, hour and a half like, podcast to accompany it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like Rob. I think this is a review, even though I haven't seen the ending to this game. And so um, I spent some time getting closer to like the uh, quote unquote end of the campaign. And the and the the one thing I just want to tack on to um, that review and uh, the the ninety minutes uh, Kato Austin and I spent time in the game is that. One of my chief complaints was just like a lack of identifiable and interesting characters, mm. um, both in the main story and also in Fort Tarsus, which is sort of the hub place that you're in. Um, and like tucked towards the end of the game is like a hint at nothing. Not you know, there are fundamental issues with Anthem, but like different paths that could have been taken. There is this uh, character, Sentinel Dax. Um, this just <laughs> unbelievably uh, funny, brash, interesting. Uh, woman that has like a really interesting and emotional arc. It's like this 90 minutes that you spend 
with her mm-hmm. solving a certain mystery that is related to uh, uh, your your larger quest. Oh, so this um, is so this is within the main main game, not a side quest. This is like the main storyline. Yeah, line? yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it's not someone like you spent like you know twenty hours with. They just kind of come in towards the towards gotcha. the last second, um, and. Uh, you know, one of the things that, like, the way you encounter characters in Anthem is, you know, you it's a third-person action game, but in first-person for the hub sections for, I don't know why. For whatever reason they, they chose to do that, I don't mm-hmm. think it's an advantage. I think it was just a weird choice that doesn't, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the way you encounter characters is, like, someone's kind of, like, standing up next to a table or something like that. You kind of square in on them, and they just have, like, not much life to their animations. Like, there's just not a lot of character imbued in, like, the actual animation work of the models. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not not the case here. Like, um, Sentinel Dax immediately, like, um, establishes herself as this, like, her personality is established really quickly. I almost don't even really give away the character traits that are imbued because the yeah. actual actions that occur are, like, really funny and interesting. Um, but in, like, 90 seconds communicates more character like then all of the other characters I had encountered in Anthem to date wrapped into one. Yeah. Um, and it was both like really cool and also frustrating given the low bar that uh, occurs elsewhere. But, you know, if you're looking for, oh, there are like th- threads they could tug at to like build something different going forward. Um, like Sentinel Dax gave me hope that like, ah, like wherever, however they landed on this arc, mm-hmm. if you could just give me like 15 of these like over the next year, like this could, you know, help at least provide a path towards a different game that was a little more splitting the difference on a Bioware slash Destiny slash Diablo yeah. style game. So, um, yeah, really liked uh, Dax, and um, uh, I don't think there's that much more of stuff like that in the game because I'm I'm knocking on the the uh, uh, the end, but uh, Dax uh, is is it was a really standout character that I wish I could have squeezed in to my review, but I hadn't. Uh, Hadn't encountered her yet, but uh, for folks that are maybe playing it that are looking for that, you'll you will know Dax when you meet her, and <laughs> she is a, she is a true delight. That's so fascinating what you say about you know her animations having so much character because um, in the first like I played like the first hour or two maybe of Anthem and then just mm-hmm. got distracted by anime. Um, <laughs> you know, you know how one is how to it do. be, yeah. Um, but. Th- th- the the characters are like heavily animated like they're very um uh like sort of they're they have like a lot of like hand like i'm thinking of like the first encounter you have with owen i think his name mm-hmm. is and his like hands are all over the place but there's something that's like feels a little empty behind it or like it it's like impressive but maybe not like super like uh, connected. It doesn't like if kind that of communicate makes... anything about, like, very little about the yeah. characters themselves. Like, yeah. Like, yes, there are like every character has sort of like grand sweeping. They're lively yeah. but not effective. Yeah. Yes. Totally, yeah. yeah. Totally. Abs- absolutely. And um, and Dax. That's changed. the. Yeah, that's the difference with with Dax. I'd say another character, um, Faye, um, that you encounter about halfway through the game, um, also has some pretty decent uh, animation work that at least says something that like feels in line with mm-hmm. um, some of the dialogue you have with her. She. She also is a character that, like, as I got towards the, the the last, like, fifth or so, has some really... She's, um... One in the game world is called a cipher, which is basically, like, a... Sort of, like, a... They have a link to... 
the anthem of creation. I'm like, I can see myself rolling my eyes as I start going down this path. But basically, there's sort of like telepaths that have a link towards the people who are in the exosuits and then also towards like the larger tools of creation in the world, sort of like the godlike um, stuff that like is lying around uh, this area. Mm -hmm. um, and Often when you're going up to talk to characters, it's like something weighty and and serious and like the the mission that you're you're working towards. And there's like three different times you go up to talk to her, and she just wants to fangirl out about <laughs> Dawn Guard, an in-game radio <laughs> drama that is basically the way she talks about Dawn Guard is the way that like Waypoint talks about anime. And <laughs> like talks about like hating certain characters and how she loves to hate certain characters. And like, it's just so delicious and weird and like out of step for a lot of the writing in the world, um, but is really good and actually reveals like so much more about who this person is and what their like proclivities. And it, it says so, it says a lot without saying very much yeah. by the fact that they choose to reveal this particular trait about um, uh, Faye and her, and in her interests. And it was uh, also, yeah, just a really, really good uh, moment. But yeah, like she, like it's a lot of characters that are moving their hands, yeah. but it doesn't actually tell you a lot about who they are. Yeah, totally. Well, I guess there's hope in, in Anthem. For there's hope in Dax. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. still playing it. Yeah. Hey, Kato, uh, just, I know you're off mic, but Bastion is not the world. It's a country. What? Because I just did a, I just did a piece of dialogue where they were talking about like, I came to Bastion from, it's, I don't, yeah, we gotta look into this, because I don't think Bastion. it's, it's not the name of the planet. Waypoint investigates. Kato is upset. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Kato, I just knew you would appreciate that. I don't know if any of us are gonna pick them off mic, but Kato is having a moment off screen as I revealed this to him. Bastion's just the kid from the never-ending story. I don't know. <laughs> like, I still don't know exactly how it works, Kato, but like, there was a line of dialogue where someone said like, yeah, I came over to Bastion from X, and I'm like, what? Damn. Uh, oh, wow. I guess it could be another planet, but there's not a lot of suggestion that there's interplanetary no. travel. Weird way to this. stealth reveal a partnership with Supergiant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good. I got to play that game, man. That new, that Bastion's game. Or the Supergiant's game. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Well. Fuck. Anthem. Okay. Anyway. Yep. That's no, Anthem. I think Patrick needs a break. Yep. I think we all need a break. I'm going to steer this boat into a dock. And maybe gas it up a little, and then we'll we'll take another sail. Be right back. <laughs> Wait, well, you don't Rob's need. Rob's dead. You don't need. That's the sail. end of the podcast. No, Actually, waypoints over. Gassed. Okay, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> Goodbye. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Captain, can we have some shore leave? Um, yes. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
I don't even know how the fuck my boat works, apparently. I don't know about wind, I guess. Captain Natalie of the SS Waypoint. I've, I've, I need to learn about my ship, apparently. Um, all right, we're all gassed up. Sails are up. <laughs> down. Sails are down. We're ready to sail. All right, here we go. Kyle, just keep all this in. All Turning the engine no... on. Mm-hmm. Wind is blowing. <laughs> Wait, and... so we have a gas engine, but we're also using the wind? Yeah. It was what if we need to turn off the gas? Okay. Uh-huh. What if we need to turn off the what gas? What if the wind dies? What if the yeah, wind dies? Okay, okay actually, right. I'm not as as I'm not as much of a fool as I once thought 30 seconds ago. This actually makes sense. What if the wind died and you were stuck in the middle of the ocean? What would you do? Row? No. You just <laughs> fucking turn on that engine and you take off. Is this the podcast ad? <laughs> Boats by Natalie. <laughs> what if you're at- Come by a Ro, boat. no. <laughs> Becalmed again. Wow. Have you been in this situation where the wind dies? You're on a boat. Use promo code. No matter how many Jonas you keep casting into the murky depths, <laughs> the wind won't come back. Son, you need an engine. <laughs> Gas it up. All right. I'm steering us into a new direction, into into new waters. These waters are a little scary. Oh, they're spooky They're waters. a little spooky. Um, Danielle, what's going on here? Why are the waters so spooky? They're they're real scary. There's just some really scary waters. There's a this is a two-part discussion. Okay. Because I want to talk about Devotion the game, a yes. really wonderful horror game. There's also some kerfuffle around devotion the game so so let's start with what devotion is it's a spooky game yeah i think it's a really great spooky game is it and good scary good scary yes the best kind of scary i think it's a very good horror game it came out last week i played it we're gonna have a review on the site today (gasps) i'm excited also spooky because we're talking about the future (laughs) predictions uh (laughs) It is a first-person horror game set in 1980s Taiwan. Uh, there's sort of three characters. There's like a father who's a screenwriter. There's a, a young daughter and a, a wife who was a sort of ex-star, singer, songwriter, movie star who kind of quits her job to become a wife and a mother. And there's a lot of domestic drama. I don't want to spoil anything. But the game takes place in their home. Mm. In three different time periods. In 1980, 1985, and 1986. And there's a lot of things that happen. There are ghosts and spooky things, but there's also a lot of sort of domestic drama and the sort of the stuff of life. And it's tied in really nicely and really neatly with the really sort of spooky, scary stuff with ghosts and hauntings and religious fanaticism, let's say. Would you compare that interweaving to something like Haunting of Hill House? Yeah, I think it's done in a similar fashion with the sort of melodrama nicely complementing spooky ghosts and spooky things and creepy things happening. There's a lot of really great doll imagery. There's a lot of really good uh, sort of, I mean, there's a lot of religious imagery as well. The Mm -hmm. game is called Devotion partially because uh, throughout the story, people's devotion to various things becomes a very, very sort of dominant thread and Mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with what kind of happens. And, you know, I wouldn't call it like, oh, there's only one big reveal and that reveals everything that happens. I think it's a little smarter and more subtle than that. Gotcha. There are some big shocking things that kind of happen throughout the story and that requires, you know, the usual content warning for 
anything that could happen in a horror story, which includes a lot of violence and self-violence and, and all sorts of other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found it very effective and very spooky and very sad mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like, I think it does a really great job with sort of domestic drama. And also, here's all the bad things that happen in life. Like, illnesses happen. Family deaths happen. Family strife happens. Gender happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, all these kinds of things happen uh, in anybody's life. Um, and I always love when horror sort of heightens that and makes it feel even more sort of present and, uh, you know, actually makes it really – makes you feel it in a really intense way. This game is also pretty scary, uh, and it got me a few times with some jump scares and some, like, well, really disturbing say, stuff. Like, I think – yeah, can you sort of uh, – I was curious if you could – I haven't played this yet. It's on my list. I know it's only, like, two hours long. And I know the game they made – the studio made before this was also one that people have been yelling Detention, to play. Right? Apparently Detention. it's really good. Yeah. Um, but um, like yeah, like what describe like because yeah. like horror can mean all sorts of different things. Like some some games, especially like shorter, um, like stream friendly games, rely uh, overtly on jump scares as a way of like uh, both the, the the player and the audience member are participating in the game, and it's explicitly built around that. Whereas this one seems a little more story focused. So I was curious yeah. if you could kind of expand a little bit on like how it actually tries to dole out its tension and it scares and like i guess how reliant is it on jump scares to solely communicate uh sort of like scares to the player yeah there are a few jump scares but i wouldn't call that the dominant force here i would call this a much smarter and more subtler take on something like a layers of fear but again much smarter much subtler much more about the actual story and the the characters it's also much more puzzle based than something like a pt or layers of fear you actually have an inventory and you're actually you know using like an adventure game style inventory nowhere near the level of like oh my god what you know you're not doing the the but you're carrying stuff like there's at least a little Mm -hmm. bit of point a to point b yeah absolutely And sort of knowing that, okay, here's the 1980 version of this house. Here's the 1985. Here's the 1986. Like figuring out what happened when is a huge part of it. So it is, it does really bolster the story. Everything feels very like, okay, this makes sense in terms of solving a puzzle. Like I think I'll figure out the code to open something through this hint that, oh, it makes sense because I remember seeing this here. Like it all actually makes a lot of sense. You're not going to be sitting there. I I got stuck once for like a couple of minutes because I misinterpreted something, but it was very easy to actually figure out what it was once I kind of sat there and I was like, okay, right. Yes. This is the favorite photo. Okay. I'm going to go back and and see where this was, that kind of thing. So yeah, again, like very of that uh, ilk of like a first person kind of walking simulator, scary type of game, but with much more emphasis on puzzle and story and just sort of making sense of this world and this family's interactions Mm -hmm. than just, oh, that was scary. Oh, this was scary. You know, like this thing happened, that thing happened. It also does a little bit of genre jumping, which I thought was really nice. I won't spoil how or why it does that, but there are sequences that are completely not what you'd expect Mm -hmm. for this type of game, which I thought was really nice. And it does a lot to sort of shift perspective from one character's point of view to another character's point of view. Do you feel like that heightens sort of like the horror tension or do those feel like breaks um, to kind of like take a step back? Yes, both. (laughs) In one context, and again, I don't want to spoil it, but in one context, it really tells you so much about the father-daughter relationship Uh in a really beautiful way, like a really sort of, you know, very... uh, heartfelt and really nice way and in another context more towards the end of the game in a really terrifying and heightened way that was like 
oh, they went there. They went to a place oh, with wow. this game. And it felt earned because, yeah. again, you spend so much time with these characters. And you spend so much time learning about their daily lives, the boring parts of their lives, and the you know emotional trauma and drudgery of their lives that it felt very earned to go to this place, this very, very, very heightened sort of emotional place. So I found it very uh, effective as a game. So I know detention was kind of explicitly about the authoritarian uh, politics of like 70s and 80s uh, Taiwan. Uh, this is a similar era, but like it sounds like overwhelmingly it is focused on the domestic. But is there still kind of a political backdrop to this that the game is trying to to sort of keep keep uh, in mind? Yeah, to some extent. I mean, there gender politics uh, especially are sort of discussed in the fiction of the game in a in a really good and interesting way. Mm-hmm. And certainly, this sets up the the sort of uh, controversy that happened around this game, where the game was review bombed. Uh, so, you know, a few days ago on Steam, it had really positive reviews. And then it came out that, you know, I'm going to oversimplify this here. There's a Polygon story about it. There's several stories about it. Uh, but the game was actually uh, review bombed by Chinese gamers. Uh, again, this is a Taiwanese team, and it's a game set in Taiwan. And in the game, there is a poster that sort of unfavorably compared, made fun of the Chinese president, sort of comparing him to Winnie the Pooh, which is a, a whole thing, or Pooh Bear. When it is Winnie the Pooh, sorry. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, there's a meme uh, yeah. going back a number of years uh, in which, yeah, the now current president of uh, China, uh, Xi Jinping, uh, was uh, compared to Winnie the Pooh, and it became like a whole thing, and is then was uh, worked to be uh, removed from cultural works and private yeah. discussion through the use of uh, censorship tools. Yeah. Uh, so this. This ended up in the game. There's a poster that has this in it. And and when it was sort of noticed, the game started getting review bombed uh, by Chinese players. Uh, And the the studio has since posted an apology and since said, oh, this was on accident. It was a, you know, sort of a... Uh, an asset that was left in. It was like a placeholder asset. That was sort of (laughs) part of this whole apology. They said that, like, in their... like, you know, development stage, like a lot of like environmental art when it's temporary, which is true. That is like absolutely the case that a lot of environment art that is not primary art was, will be placeholder and then swapped for, for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said specifically like, oh, we use a lot of memes when we do that stuff and then we change it later, which <laughs> – What a yeah. good idea that could not possibly go wrong. I, well, I also don't buy it. I, yeah. I think that was their way of trying to come up with a plausible explanation when it's probably just the case that – it, it, it is possible that it was oversight. It is also possible that they, um, I believe there has been some uh, work done um, to look, uh, one of the, the lead uh, developers has uh, said some critical uh, things mm-hmm. about the Chinese government. And so like, there's a lot more reason to think that they just didn't think this would either be discovered or be such a big deal, or that this this game is not only popular, but has become uh, extremely popular, especially in China, where like the major... Uh, uh, Chinese streamers and other, like it's been really yeah. embraced, uh-huh. and so the backlash has been um, sharp in a way that probably developers couldn't have anticipated for what they thought was just taking their politics into an offhand joke. And then this game got very popular amongst a certain section of um, uh, you know society, and it, it's all the more precarious because of the way game development and publishing works in China, where it's like if this game is found to be making fun of the Chinese government, the game can the game and developer can just be banned outright from you know releasing over there. So like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of ripple effects where you 
you understand how they end up at like a very weird yeah. <laughs> explanation for why they why they would do this. Totally. Yeah, I kind of don't blame them. I'll just read from the the, the Polygon story, just a quick graph here that, that uh, says, that a Reset Era user noted, however, that most Chinese gamers ire drew not from the mockery of C, but rather that they felt the game was mocking mainlanders for being tricked into buying something that makes fun of him. User noted that scan of social media channels for Red Candle Games founder and lead designer turned up several posts showing his political views, including support for Taiwanese independence and recognition, an extremely controversial and antagonistic stance to mainland China. So yeah, it's very... A bit of a fraught situation, and uh, it's interesting because I was I was sort of writing this review on Friday when a lot of this was sort of going down, and of course I I, I can't read Chinese. I, I wouldn't have you know necessarily or or known that context. That, like, Nor are oh, we this like is making deep fun experts of, on like yeah. like like you know interregional uh, uh, Chinese politics. Right. That I wouldn't pretend to to be able to understand. That. Right, of course. So I'm not. I, I didn't play the game and notice that in on any level, of course, uh, but. It was very interesting to be sort of like blown away, honestly, by how uh, impactful and, and and well done and and you know subtle. Subtle is always a term to use for a horror game, right? It, horror is not a subtle genre, but for this type of game, I, I felt like it weaved some things very subtly. Not not in every place, but in a lot of ways. And then, uh, sort of seeing this controversy, I was I was sort of like, oh. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't necessarily feel about that, so I don't write about that in my piece or anything. But mm-hmm. it is very. Man, I certainly have feelings on review bombing and and how ugly of a weapon that is sort of to uh, bludgeon a, a piece of a oh, piece yeah. of work certainly. So, oh yeah, uh, quite a bit going on there certainly. Uh, do you want me to to steer the ship to the next? Yeah. Or do you want to steer the ship? You're the captain. You steer the ship. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from from Taiwan in the eighties to all over the world in the twenty what era are we in? The twenty teens still? Now? I guess we're in the twenty teens. We're, we're the nearing 20- the end of the twenty teens. Yeah. And I see something rising in yes. the distance. <laughs> Danielle, could you please tell me what is what is that that thing I see rising? It's a bike. Oh, it's a bike? A, a motocross bike. It's a motocross oh, bike. Oh, no, it's rising, and it's rising, and oh, no, now its rider has landed on his head. And, oh, no. Oh, that's in the water? Unfortunate, in the water. Yeah. The, the train sail <laughs> boat is... Yeah, honestly. Got a BMX happen. track on it? <laughs> it does happen in a this, trials game. These waters do, let me tell you. If you use <clears throat> promo code BMX, we'll throw in. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Natalie, I've been playing Trials Trials Rising. How is it? It's so much fun. Yeah? It's a really, really fun game. It, I've never played a Trials game. I should tell you that first. Okay. This is Baby's first Trials. But uh, you have played uh, motocross games in the past. Yes, I have. This is so much more of like a platformer okay. than like a motocross game. You are on a set track. It's almost like, okay, it's like a physics-based platformer. You're yeah. on a bike. And you're doing wild obstacles. So you, you start off in North America. That's where the first you know set of tracks are. There are a lot of tracks in this game. Let me tell you, it's a 2D game with 3D art basically. Mm-hmm. But you're on mm-hmm. a 2D plane, and you have this bike that is very tipsy turny, mm-hmm. and you're going over wild ramps, and you're getting ridiculous air, and there's crazy obstacles. There are things like cars that could drive into you. There are roller coaster tracks. You might do loop de loops like Sonic. Okay. But you always have to go through. Try to keep your speed relative. Yeah. And land on two tires, or or at least land in such a way that doesn't immediately kill your rider 
so you can move on to the next obstacle. That sounds stressful. It's extremely fun. The <laughs> physics are a lot of fun. You know, it's it, it is a trials game, and everyone tells me this is sort yeah. of the fun of a trials game is that it's this wacky. You know, it's it's basically like controlling a, a pretty wacky sort of vehicle that's a little uh -huh. you know uh, your your front wheel and your your back wheel. You can kind of lean. Yeah. Leading back and leaning forth so that you actually can kind of land and, and continue going. You can do tricks. You can do flips. You can kind of like bunny hop on your back wheel. You can do wacky things like that. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've gotten through the first you know few worlds of the game, you know, the first few sort of um, areas of yeah. the game, basically. Uh, and I think the embargo – yeah, the embargo is up a few hours ago so we can talk about whatever, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if, if you've seen any sort of like – um, room for creativity in terms of like not necessarily sequence breaking, but like moving through that two D space in a way that is like unexpected or is like not the the you know set path or anything yeah. like that. Well, there's a lot of weird things you can do, and there are different paths through. Like oh, once you start getting past, you know, the first few courses, there are, there really are sort of like almost Sonic style routes. Okay. Like, oh, here's the best route. If you can go real fast through this loop de loop and real fast up this ramp, you can get a little more air and you can kind of get to the higher track or the lower track oh, or there's gotcha. you know certain other paths kind of going on. So it really is kind of a platformer more than it is a racing game, even though there are racing style events and things like that. But yeah, yeah, it is. It does feel like a very like physicsy Sonic. Does that make sense? A yeah. Physics-y so, Sonic. Yes, Rob. I, I think um, there's a couple things. Usually when I see people posting videos of trials, <laughs> it looks exasperating because often the videos I see are when things are going wrong and someone is like falling off the track. And to me at that point, it looks a lot like, and I think, you know, I was talking to Austin about this. It looks like um, getting over it yes. in some ways, but, but on a bike, but in a way that like that no, has never really appealed to me too much because that whole like process of fail, 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 and just keep grinding away until you like figure out the, attack on the uh on the course has always seemed a little bit tiring and so i'm curious like to what degree is it you sitting there trying to execute the same jump over and over to like figure out the solution versus you being sonic on a bike uh <laughs> sort of racing hell for leather through through a level you know what i mean yeah. like to what degree is it like oh man trying to try this jump 50 fucking times versus we here I go through this ridiculous obstacle course. I feel like I'm being judged as someone that likes the yeah, let's do this jump for the fifty first time. And like Rob is just like subtweeting me in this podcast right now. That Mario Maker feeling, you know. Physicsy Mario uh, Maker. Yeah, what's wrong what's wrong with doing it wrong fifty times? Once you get it right, it only, you only gotta get it right once. I mean it's true. I think this game actually does a really good job with onboarding, uh, especially from what I've seen also what I knew of trials. Again, it is this is my first trial, so Baby's There's first been a bunch, time. Yeah, this is like the sixth or yeah, something. It, I'm pulling that number out of my ass. Like it's, it's, it, yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. There's a trials university now that gives you, even from like baby level lessons about how to lean properly. You should lean when you're going up a hill and you should lean back when you're going down a hill. And here's how to get flow correct. And it actually does a really, really good job of kind of putting you through 
the very basic skills you need to at least get started. So you're not just doing that from the beginning, basically. Uh, and the first courses are actually very easy. You know, you will screw up a bunch, but you can also immediately reset and checkpointing is very generous. Uh, it, it feels like I have gotten stuck on a few jumps and a few kind of things here and there, mm. but I've never felt like that lasted for a very long amount of time. It also does the really good thing where you typically have like six tracks you can go to. So if you're getting stuck in one place, I did get stuck on a windmill course uh, in, <laughs> in the Europe area. And like, I got annoyed with that. And I went to like, there were seven other places I could go, which nice. always helps. I, I always really appreciate that in a platformer because it's like, you know how much I love platformers. I love I love me a good platformer. But if I get stuck in one area, I might, you know, want to drop kick the, the cartridge, you know, to use old old timey speak uh, <laughs> about how you feel about One thing games. I would I would say to speak to uh so Rob, it is that kind of game. Like trials ha- always has been a bang your head against uh sequences. It's like trying to do the time faster, sharing that with your friends, um sort of thing. But I think one of the ways it like smartly whether by accident or by uh, on purpose, um, there is humor in the failure that is meant to mitigate the frustration, right? So it's one thing to play like a difficult platformer where in dying, it's just brutal and uh, it's 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 mean on your fingers and there's nothing to laugh at. It's just you fucked up and just do it again. But in trials, like when things go wrong, it's like so goofy and weird. Like you often can't help but laugh at like the way the physics have just gone so terribly wrong that they're in that loop is a way of mitigating the frustration of you're just doing this jump for the 30th time because the way things go wrong and the, and the, the goofiness of it um, is, is I think part of trying to help, uh, you know, kind of grease that friction when you need to try it over and over again. And also, as Dana pointed out, not only is the checkpointing system good, um, it, like Super Meat Boy and other platformers, if you're going to make something that forces you to die over and over, it needs to be extremely snappable to you trying mm. that again. Mm. Like, the time, any time wasted in between you trying that jump again is time that you're going to be like, I could be doing something else. And while I haven't played this new Trials, the series in the past has been very good at making sure boom, like just get in there and and try it again so that um, both stylistically, aesthetically, and functionally, you don't have that much time to ruminate over your frustration because you're just trying again very quickly and you can just give it another go. Yeah, there's a lot of the the sort of ragdolling that yeah, grievous bodily harm is is very much like a, a joke here. And there's, there's a course um, where I definitely... If it basically if your if your rider's head hits the track that counts as a crash, but I was able at one point with one track I was I was sort of my bike was almost completely turned all the way around, but for some reason I had like an inch of clearance for my rider's head, and I was able to go from like three different checkpoints just dragging them a little bit until I finally <laughs> made the next checkpoint. And I was like nailed it and and was able to kind of start from there, which is which is always good. So That's yeah, really good. And it's trials arising for you. It's a, it's a fun it's fun ass game. Fun ass video this, game. Is this one on Switch? It I, is. It is. Yes. Switch, Xbox, okay, PS4, Hell PC. Yeah. Oh, perfect Switch game. On Switch, I wonder if it has that snappiness. Try again thing, right? Like, is it going to be as quick to get you back to the jump on Switch as it is elsewhere? I think it where, is. Where I'm, are you playing it, Danielle? I'm on PS4. Okay. I'm no. watching like some no. videos uh, of of gameplay, um, and I think it. I mean, I don't see why it would be different on switch 
Um, but it, it does seem pretty, pretty snappy. Like every time I see this little ragdoll Play-Doh man. You just hit circle. F- fly something. At least on PS4, it's been, it's yeah. been pretty snappy. Yeah. But yeah, I, awesome. I could not speak to the Switch version. Not yet, anyway. Seems Again, like a really speak good of the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a really good Switch game. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we have one last. I need to talk about something. If you have any, do you have any more thoughts on? Oh, that's my trials. Okay. Those are the trials of Danielle. The trials have ended. Yes. yes. And now we're we're dropping boys into what? Into Apex Gr- Legends. My favorite game of the moment for some reason <laughs> that I can't put my finger on. I don't know why I love it so much, but I cannot stop playing it. I've been playing it every single night, mainly with Waypoints, Waypoints Joel and and Colin from from Noisy, who has been. Uh, I didn't know on the Colin podcast. was such a gamer. Oh, Colin is carrying me to oh. to new heights. Both Colin and Joel. Wait, I could be playing. Ape legs with Colin instead of just emailing what? him about ambient music. <laughs> you Apex? could. Is a- Apex Legends such a long fucking name that you needed to call it Ape Legs? Ape Legs. I like Ape Legs. It's good, in my opinion. Um, hey, something really f- good. The reason why I'm talking about this is because I did a thing this weekend, which was get a fucking win for the first time. <gasps> yes. In Apex Legends. It was a beautiful play, and I just want to clap. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, wait, hold on. Did it end on a beautiful play? It did. Like, on my all right, part. take us through it. Take us through that moment. So, we, okay. So, it was me, Joel, and Colin. It was, uh, we had like three te- three or four teams left, and I died. And they had to. That's not a good play. It's not. Well, hold on. You're getting ahead of the play. Hold on, Rob. I had died, and Mm -hmm. we and I was just. This actually, there were like five teams left. I I had died. They went to uh, recover recover my banner, and and I dropped in. And when you drop back in to Apex Legends after dying, you have nothing. So I'm just running around grabbing what I can, and we happen. So I I have a level one shield. Uh, which is nothing <laughs> for Endgame, and and I have like no healing, and we're just running by, and then we see uh, uh, a loot crate uh, or a supply crate drop down, and it's it's unopened, and we go over and Joel or I I'm running ahead because like the circle's coming in, and I'm stressed out, and I'm weak and vulnerable, and Joel's like, hey, there's a mastiff in here. Now, if you don't know what a mastiff is, it is a gun. That you can only get um, from a supply crate. Uh, supply crate. So I'm pretty sure you can only get it from there. Huh. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. Anyway, I think you can only. I've only ever seen it in a supply crate. Okay. Um, and you cannot. It has unique ammo, so you cannot. You can't put any attachments on it. You can't um, reload it. It comes with. You get. It's like a four, uh, you get four shots and you get 20 total ammo. So this is, I was like, mm, I'm not good at shotguns and I'm not. Is it like, okay, yeah. I'm not, yeah, it's Go a on. shotgun. It's a shotgun. Um, and it has uh, a pretty gnarly kickback. So it's it's kind of hard to control. 
Um, and I'm bad at video games, so I <laughs> I was like, Welcome to Waypoint. <laughs> I was like, ah, uh, maybe this is not for me. And Joel was like, I don't know, maybe you should just take it. You don't have anything else. And I was like, That's true. I have like a a, a Mozambique probably in a pistol. Or no, I had a I had a I had some some AR or like an SMG or something. So I pick up the Mastiff for my second gun, and we're running into think it was Skull Town and which you know is my 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 favorite spot. We're running into Skull Town. There's three teams left and uh Joel and Colin are ahead of me. I'm like still trying to loot because I have nothing to protect me and they're like, "Oh, here, here. They're here." And I was like, "Okay." And I like run over. It's like I'm in one building and then there's like I leave the building and there's a big stretch of like open area and then another building that I like just run right into and around and then there's a hallway in the building and Joel and Colin are are there attacking and the enemy team pops a smoke screen um and it's unclear how many people are there or like Inside how many teams are there it's just like on one side of the hallway we have like me Joel and Colin and then on the other side it's just smoke and so we have no idea what's happening. <laughs> and I come in and I quickly switch to my Mastiff for some reason, which I guess because it was like going to be close range, I assumed. And I hit three shots directly in front of me. And then for some like intuitive reason, I like move my, my reticle like slightly to the right. And I get the final shot like in the smoke. Like I can't see shit. <laughs> I can't see anything and I just for some reason the last shot I just like moved just slightly to the right and that was the final kill and then we were the apex champions and <laughs> yes and there's a that's incredible I, I uploaded a video I uploaded the video on onto my twitter but I didn't have party chat on so it's just me <laughs> and it's like just my reactions like okay 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 I think one <gasps> And then it's like it's it's very funny just to hear like only my reactions and not Joel and Colin feeding me information. <laughs> um, but it felt so good. It finally happened. I've gotten second a lot of times and I've gotten third like a lot more. And Apex is getting to a a place now where everyone is really good, mm. and it's like kind of like my relationship to it is like I'm not going to be incredibly good at this game like I'm never going to be like top tier at this game it's not like something like Overwatch where you know in Apex you can get to know your characters really well and you can kind of figure out like good times to use their ultimates and stuff but in Overwatch you can like train in a way that like actually gets you good at the game and there's still so much luck in Apex of like luck of the draw like are you dropping in an area with like a lot of people and you just happen to land in the building that doesn't have a gun mm. and like so and also just like are, how good are you at headshots right exactly. like there's like just like there there's nothing that apex legends can do to remove that part of it i do think it's like a far more i find i have this is anecdotally i don't know yeah. how like the statistically this would be would bear out but i Friends of mine that didn't necessarily get into Fortnite and PUBG yeah. have spent more time with this game because they seem to get closer to a win or close enough mm -hmm. that it feels like they had a good time and yeah. oh, there's a reason to play again as opposed to 
what can often happen in uh, Fortnite and PUBG, which for some people, including myself, which sometimes it was part of the appeal, was like it was humorous to get into a match, get headshotted 20 seconds in, boom, let's go again. Yeah. It just seems like that happens not quite as often and or like the fights are such an apex and I've only played, you know, 10, 12 matches, so I, I'm, I'm certainly no expert either. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it just seems like you can get further and feel like you've had more success in yeah. an average Apex match, especially on the console versions. Maybe this is less true on PC where keyboard yeah. and mouse is just uh, uh, just a higher skill floor naturally. But yeah. I don't know. I've seen people who normally are turned off by those games enjoying it or finding a enjoyment in it where, yeah, like it is going to be frustrating as like the skill floor increases because yeah. people are spending more time with it. And yeah. it's the kind of thing where it's like, ah, I really enjoyed the first month with it. But like once we hit month six and like there's – 20 more weapons and all that. It's just like, mm -hmm. I don't know where I fit into this equation as someone that's like, yeah, would like to play it once every couple of weeks. Yeah. And there has like an hour. Yeah. There hasn't been, I, I haven't seen, I don't think there's been a lot of updates yet. There's been one new gun that has dropped, uh, the havoc, which is an energy, um, uh, auto rifle, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess I'm like, I'm paying attention to things, but it really is just like, I have to like maintain this relationship to it that I'm not going to be good at it because otherwise I would get like very sad because I die. But the fact that you are like constantly participating in the game, like you're constantly like, even if you're bad at shooting, you can be like, hey, there's ammo wow, over that here. Shot or was like, good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like I was watching it. That's where I was like, Holy and like shit. the exact, your exact. Description of just like I don't know, just kind of push the reticle like an inch to the right <laughs> because you do. There's no evidence for why nope. you were clearly just taking pot shots, and you it's uh, is beautiful. It is. Beautiful. It is exactly no, I mean, what video games are to me. There is a shape do? moving. There is a shape moving in the Merc though. Like there is a small flicker of movement that Natalie appears to be tracking in on. It's real good. Maybe I thought, I'm just... I thought this would be the clip that was going to get her banned. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, like Natalie was gonna log in tonight and be like, uh, I'm banned. And that was gonna be that. <laughs> no, I'm just uh I guess like there's something deep within me that that is there's there's a pro gamer inside that I just I need to hone. I need to I need to bring it out. But I do think this game you can find those moments more frequently, more often than I have found in, in the, maybe it's because our own familiarity we're like like Fortnite, we hit an obstacle where it's just like none of us wanted to put in the time and effort to really understand the building stuff other than just like yeah. creating like walls around us. Yeah. And Apex Legends and, and PUBG is so much more like it, it really can't just be a one shot. And that it yeah. often is the case where it's like if someone gets the jump on you, it's it's binary. It's like yeah. they're going to kill you mm -hmm. or uh, like it's not often that like an actual sort of like fight breaks out where yeah. there's a cat and mouse and there are dynamics and – Apex Legends, that is just much more likely to totally. happen in my experience where it's just like w when shots start ringing down, there's still an opportunity for you to do something about it. Yeah. And so maybe it's just the sheer longevity of a, your participation in a match yeah. makes it feel more enjoyable even if you don't end up winning or even, even actively sort of killing that many people. Mm -hmm. Just like sheer participation gives an investment that just is doesn't – isn't in the loop as much on those other games. Totally. I feel like, you know, I know what I'm getting myself into no matter where I drop. Like, I, I've, i like, familiar, I've, like, internalized enough that, like, okay, 
if I'm going into like the hot loot zone, I know I'm going to get into firefights and then I'm not going to be that bummed if I don't get out because I could be dropping with like five teams and I could just get totally pinched. Or I'm like, okay, I can play the long game and maybe I'll drop with one other team and I'm like watching them and I'm like paying attention to where they're landing. And and I think just like the the there is an accessibility to like familiarity with weapons and, and how they feel and what your attachments are doing. Like PUBG attachments you really have to learn what the fuck you're putting on your gun um i felt like most of the time i was doing that it was super arbitrary and apex is like no just take this it's better like here's the better yes. thing like don't yes. take you don't this have to read. there bad. are all those stats but it's just like good one yeah Click. <laughs> and you're like thank you yeah it's very it's very helpful to those who like don't want to spend time like reading up on all that stuff so well because that stuff is probably uh, marginally advantageous in a match in a way that like you and I do not understand. Yeah. And so I mean, the you, fact that the yeah you can well, because just the fact it's that more the game communicates it for you. Yeah, because it's more simplified. You're not like there aren't different types of of like each category of attachment. Like there's just like better. Um, and the only the only like variety is really in scope, and that's where you can kind of be like, oh no, I want like a shittier scope because I don't want to be as close up or whatever, or I don't, I yeah, um, um. So you don't have to like the way that the gun feels when you're putting better stuff on it is go is like pretty singular. Like you, it's like a singular path to like, okay, you're gonna have less kickback, you're gonna have less, um, you know, uh, uh, uh what's it called when you shoot something and then. It like it's moving around a lot. Do you know what recoil? I mean? Recoil. Yeah, recoil. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so with all like all of those things feel like you can kind of feel that gradient in a more like singular way instead of there being like a lot of leeway between what a, what different types of attachments might do. So, Apex is good. I'm still playing it every single night, and um, I w I want to do. I, I want to find like something something about it because I feel like there's something there for me, but I don't know what hasn't been said other than that it's like extremely accessible and and like fun and I think the smaller like size, the fact that it's only sixty people instead of a hundred probably you know there's something there in terms of like uh, uh, game lengths and and congestive um, and you know areas and stuff like that. So Apex is good. Apex is good, IMO, except for the fact that they don't have any fucking reporting systems and Oof. there is a lot of bad. So that's my other thing is that Apex is good. Wow, way to put Colin on blast. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, Colin is one of the few goods. Colin and Joel and I are the are the leaders of the good movement. Goods. And unfortunately, wow. there is just a lot of absolute horseshit in... Um, in in bad people making bad bad usernames and and being in chat and being bad and so hopefully hopefully this next um they've said that they're going to release a reporting system but it's mainly directed at cheating so hopefully they take uh the sort of harassment and inappropriate stuff very seriously because it's a problem yes um i think we might have time for a question eh. Rob maybe you can give us your answer first and then and yeah. then dip out mm, or should we save it for another Let's it's such a good question, let's it's, such we, a good question. it's a good question I think this is like a 20 minute conversation yeah. oh okay let's save it <laughs> let's do this one next time let me look at it Ooh, it's okay, real yes. good this is a good one 
Um, yeah, is so we should wait. Is a ship a boat? Is, is, <laughs> hmm, yes. Ship boat. My opinion is yes. Ships and boats. It's not a rocket a boat. All ships are boats, but not all boats are ships. What about spaceships? Mm-hmm. Is a square rig sailing vessel augmented Wait. by Wait. steam, oh, the finest sailing? Hmm? Spaceships are boats. What? More than they are planes. Yeah. This is a conversation that was in the <laughs> yeah. motherboard slack, and I agree. What do you do in the void? What do you do in space? Do you fly through space, or do you float? You sail. I mean, like, the engine is kind of like the same. You're kind of paddling in space, sort of, right? Mm. Well, what if you're using a solar sail? You're sailing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you're sailing like a ship, like a boat. Yeah. So I'm I'm team <laughs> spaceships or boats. Team, yeah, I'm, I'm on boats. Yeah. I mean, not right now, but. <laughs> on board the boat. If you have opinions <laughs> about spaceships and boats and video games and whatever else might, might, Tickle your fancy. Yeah, why isn't there like a space uh, fantasy world where the ships actually look, like the spaceships really do look more like boats? Um, I think that's called Sunless Skies. Oh. oh. Is it not? They look like trains. Oh, right, they're trains. <laughs> hence, Shit. hence Natalie's confusion at the start of the, like, <laughs> now, what's a boat? Like, Natalie's like, oh yeah, like Sunless Skies has boats. <laughs> a locomotive like chugs past. Like, clearly that's a in the boat, frame. right? That's a boat. It's a good boat. I love to sail a fucking locomotive across the, <laughs> the waters on my spare time. If you have thoughts, please send them to gaming at symbol vice.com. Uh, we will see them and perhaps we will answer them. Your E dot mails. Your E dot mails. Yeah. Uh, I. I'm going to ask Danielle Riendo, where are people finding you on the internet? I'm the good ship at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Great. Uh, Rob, please. At Rob Zachney on Twitter. Patrick? At Patrick Klopik. Shout out Staccato doing doing the damn thing on <laughs> on technology at A underscore Cotto underscore appears on Twitter. I was really hoping you'd fuck that up. I'm not going to because I'm a good host. I was really host. like, man, I will feel less bad I'm after I'm a good Natalie fucking host. A boat appears. A boat appears. <laughs> uh, underscore boat underscore appears. And it the the header image is just a fucking train. Um, <laughs> you can All right, register that Twitter account immediately. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Please. Uh, you can find everything we do on Twitter at Waypoint. You can find us most other places at at a at Waypoint or at Waypoint Vice. Um, <laughs> both may work. Who could say? Um, shout out to Bowen for giving for lending us the track "Miss You" off the EP "Pale Machine." You can find out more about Bowen at waypoint.zone/b as in b <laughs> boat o e n as in Natalie knows what boats are. <laughs> I'm gonna sign a title out. of the episode right there. There it is. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us out on this ship train wreck of a <laughs> podcast. Toot 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 toot. Uh, bye. <laughs> Peace. What do what do sailors say? Ahoy. <laughs> toot toot. What do train people say? Train. All aboard. Oh, yeah. All aboard. Train. 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 (laughs) Okay.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm on time. All right. 46? Sure. Oh, Patrick. Patrick. I missed it. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I wish I want. I never like to be that person. I think AAF you know, caliber, counting, <laughs> not ready for the NFL. Don't call me Christian Hackenberg. All right. Come on. Uh, Want to do eight? Yeah. Sure. All right. Cool. That was Skip great. Time. All righty. <clears throat> Can someone give me a count? <laughs> sure. In five, four, three. I know what boats are. I know what trains are. <laughs> I know about modes of transportation. Yes, you do. This is just something I do for the fans, for... <laughs> You know, for the last. The fans have been de- demanding. That's why she's America's sweetheart. <laughs> I love it so like, much. Just, get, right. just playing the hits. <laughs> now that's what I call Natalie's jokes. That's a terrible one. Please 67. delete that. That's not going in. <laughs> Stop. Stop recording. That's our next pod. Never. Never. Boat never. Jokes <laughs> by Natalie Watson. <laughs> Warehouses full of unsold oh, copies. <laughs> It's a delight. It's a true delight. Oh, drag me. Anyway. (laughs) All right. I'm hungry. Bye-bye. Drag me to the boat. Bye.